0: Yeah, so, am I, oh, yeah, it's up there, nice, good, I forgot my glasses again actually, because I'm terrible with sight, it's, yeah, anyway, (laughs) Um, the beauty in pain, Um, I'm going to have a quick reading guys through John um, 11, so if you turn with me to John 11 follow me apologies i'm going to read all the way from verses 1 to 41 so it's a bit of a long read i'll try and read quickly and not sound too boring um (laughs) so please just bear bear with me um so now a man was sick lazarus from bethany the village of mary and her sister met martha mary was one who anointed the lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair and it was her brother lazarus who was sick so the sisters sent a message to him Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, The sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard he was sick, he he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again. Aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called called twin there, uh, said to to his um, fellow disciples, let's go, so that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus um, had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha that jesus was coming she she went to meet him but mary remained seated in the house then martha said to jesus lord if you had been here my brother wouldn't have died yet even now i know that whatever you ask from god god will give you your brother will rise again jesus told her martha said i know that he will rise in i know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Even Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling you. As soon as she heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with, with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing that she was going to, to the tomb to cry there. When Mary came, there, came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry. In his spirit, he was deeply moved. And where, where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some, said, some then said, couldn't he, open, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, angry in himself, again came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laying against it. Remove the stones, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of the Lord, of the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you, have, that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they, so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot, with linen strips, and with his face wrapped in a cloth, Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. So, oh, yeah, I figured, I figured it was a bit weird. Is that all right? Everyone, yeah, it's a bit better, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm still getting used to this Madonna mic. Apologies. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, thank you. Sharon, I wasn't actually following it, was I? Terrible. (laughs) Um, Right. So, um, this is about Lazarus. Uh, When people talk about Lazarus, what do you tend to think that they're going to talk about usually? I tend to think they think faith and the power of Jesus and that sort of thing, yeah? Well, I'm talking about the beauty in pain and suffering today which is weird. You might think, where would you get that from in in the story of Lazarus? Uh, But I guess it's better to start off with some context here. Uh, So we start off with the story of these three siblings. Uh, That's Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Um, The story of Lazarus takes place in the village of Bethany, uh, and that's not too far from the Mount of Olives, which is basically near Jerusalem. Um, And there, basically, John tells a story of these three siblings who live together. Um, the Mary that John is speaking about, uh, just as a side note, is not the same Mary Madeline that we hear of who also anointed Jesus previously in Luke 7. Um, she was understood to be a sinner, whereas this Mary wasn't understood publicly to uh, be a sinner. However, both of them, as I say, did anoint Jesus with their hair. Now, again, this miracle when Jesus raises Lazarus from, from the dead is the last public miracle to this extent uh, that happens before Jesus dies uh, before his trial. Apart from that he obviously heals uh, Malchus when he's actually apprehended when Peter cuts off his ear and Jesus heals his ear that's, that's the next miracle we have before he actually dies but that's not to the same public extent that this particular miracle was. This was in front of hundreds of people who came to console uh, Mary and, and Martha It's also important as well to note that when John was writing this, he was writing in a reflective sense because this, basically, by the time John had written this, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were all dead. Um, So he's, and and because of the safety, because the Jews were uh, quite skeptical and you would have been persecuted, the the, the thoughts are he probably, he didn't write it immediately then, but he wrote it afterwards. Um, So Mary and Martha were the housekeepers of this house. Um, and it's understood that Lazarus was this guy who was sort of living a kind of retired life. Um, he gave himself to study and, and meditation, even though he was 30 years old. Um, so you just think, you're not that old to be retiring and chilling. You should be doing some work. But hey, that's, that's how that's how Lazarus lived. Um, and, and, where, and meanwhile, Martha was the one really, really working, doing a lot of the work. And if some of you might remember from John chapter 10, um, where Jesus first encounters them, and then you know he has this thing where martha 's like you know mary 's not doing nothing. She just sits around and does poems and stuff, and like what 's going on and, and Jesus then you know rebukes her um, so So what we know is that Martha is kind of the main person in the house. she does all the running around um really, and which is kind of kind of strange, but that's that 's how they lived um, so what I wanted to focus on today was the experience of Mary and Martha, uh, their, their experience and, and how they felt, and more pertinently, the suffering that they felt, you know, what, what it meant for them to have that, the pain that, that they felt. Now, suffering is an issue um, that, that we all struggle with um, in our existential journey. So by existential, I mean things pertaining to your existence in this life. And, have thoughts about why am I here? Why do I exist? What am I doing here? Those are ex- existential um, issues that we deal with, and, and we all struggle with that. We all think, "Why do I have pain? Why am I having to go through this? Why can't God stop this pain um, that I feel?" Uh, and and one of our thought process usually is, "I mean, if God is all powerful and all loving, then why am I going through this pain? Because if if it, it must mean that He's having not powerful." to stop this pain, even though he loves me a lot, or he is powerful enough to stop this pain, but he doesn't love me that much. So, And those are the two things, and then you're questioning, well, what, what kind of God do I serve? Who, who is this God if, if, if I'm still suffering pain? Because the two can't work. He can't be all-powerful, and he can't be all-loving. But yet, Mary and Martha go through this experience, and... And yet they see Jesus as all-loving and they see him as all-powerful. How? How? Um, so, so I guess let's explore their, their journey a bit a bit further. Um, so at the beginning of the chapter, obviously, we see that Lazarus is sick. And uh, Mary and Martha then send this message to Jesus um, and ask it and tell him, look, Lazarus is sick. They've obviously got some kind of trust in him that he will be able to do something um, for them. And Jesus- response we see to them um, is by saying that the sickness won't end in death but it will be to the glory of God yeah that's ironic because he actually dies so now what so you, can you imagine the, the thought process when, when Jesus has said this and then two days later he says oh Lazarus has died and then the disciples are looking at him like but you, but you just said that. He, okay never mind fine <laughs> like, okay <laughs> do, do you know what i mean but you can just imagine the full process that these the disciples would have had in, in hearing uh, jesus having said that and then lazarus actually dying um and and for some of us that's the same experience we have we have this experience where we say yeah yeah but god you you, you told me in the bible that all things work my good i I can't see how this is working for my good, this pain that I'm going through, you know, the, the depression I'm going through, the poverty I'm going through, this illness I'm going through, this bereavement I'm going through. I can't see how this is working for my good. You told me this is working for my good. So it doesn't make sense logically um, to us. Um, the thing is we have to ask them, what do we do? What do we do when we do face these things and we do go through suffering and pain? And like Martha and Mary, I guess one of the things is definitely ask him for help. That's the number one thing they did. The first thing they did was go, well, he's sick. Ask Jesus for help. And, and that's what, that's the attitude that we have to have, I guess, is is when we go through this pain and trials, first thing is I have to ask Jesus for help because that's, that's what Mary and Martha did. Um, and Again, I just want to take, take this point where, where we see what Jesus did. When Jesus is told about this sickness for Lazarus, he says to them, he stays two more days and then decides to go to Judea and, and then says, let's go off to Judea. Why would the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving Jesus know that his friend who they say he loved much, he loved Lazarus a lot, why would he stay another two days? knowing that Lazarus was going to go through this pain. Why, why would he do that? Yeah, indeed. He knew God had sent him, and, and there was a plan to, 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 to show to the people. It was, it was to show people that actually he loved him. Um, <laughs> he, lo- he did love Lazarus, and he loves us that much. Sometimes he has to allow us to go through that pain, and he, he allowed as he allowed Mary and Martha to, to struggle and go through that pain and stay in staying an extra two days. Um, and, and then Jesus then asked the disciples to accompany him to to Judea, and obviously the disciples, you know, no surprise, they have their "duh" disciples moment um, <laughs> when they <laughs> and they ask him, and they, they start saying, "I mean, what do you mean he's going to go to sleep? Isn't he then going to wake up?" And Jesus has to then explain, "No, I literally meant he was actually dead." Duh, um, <laughs> and so and so. And, and then they get it. And funny enough, just again as another side point, people always remember Thomas um, from the Bible as doubting Thomas, don't we? We always say like doubting Thomas, like he's remembered throughout history as, as as doubting Thomas. And it's funny enough because, in fact, he's the one here who, in the end, actually encourages the rest of the disciples, um, in, telling, in telling them you know, let's go, in verse 16, we see then, you know, Thomas said to the disciples, let's go, so that we may die with him, that's pretty harsh I think, because it's mean, someone who's obviously showed willing to die, but yet for the rest of the history, everyone was like, nah, you would have doubt <laughs> you didn't believe <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it is bad press <laughs> it is bad press indeed, so he, he I mean, yeah, but we we, we see Tom, Thomas uh, being this guy who who helped him out, and I wanted to die for the cause. Now, when Martha hears that Jesus is around, sh- the first thing she does is go to Jesus. She runs to Jesus while Mary stays indoors. And at that point, uh, at that point then, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Yeah, he's been dead for four days at this point. And so you can imagine everyone's just mourning, just bawling out and crying and and, and all the Jews, all the other Jews around the town would have come round and surrounded her and been just crying uh, while he was buried in the tomb. And yet, Martha finds it in her somewhere to say to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, I know for the most part, most people will say, oh, she's, you know, she's complaining. She's having a moan. I actually don't think she was having a moan. I, I don't see it that way because of her next response because of the, what she then says I don't think Martha saw this and thought I'm having a big moment at you Jesus I'm having I'm having a complaint I have I have a, a, a grief against you I have a gripe about this I don't think it was quite like that I think it was more a recognition of the fact that Jesus you, you're big enough and you're great enough to have dealt with this and you, st- you still can deal with this you know that's i think that's more the mindset it wasn't like god you know oh, you don't know what you're doing if you'd if you'd been here you know if you'd known better you would have been here i don't i don't think that's the mind i think it's more saying you know what you, you're great and if you'd been here i know this this wouldn't have happened because you're big enough you because know, you're great enough and then but then she follows it up she follows that statement um, and she says even now i know whatever you ask from god God will give you. And then Jesus then informs her um, that her brother will rise. And again, she, she says this, this thing, which then blows my mind a bit. Because when, he, when Jesus says to her, as soon as Jesus says to her, your brother's going to rise, what would you expect her reaction to be? Yes! Yes! Can't wait for him to come back and be with me. He's going to be with me and Mary. Like, oh man, I can't, I can't wait. Great times, happy times. Like, I knew Jesus would do this. I knew you would do exactly what I wanted you to do. Because that's probably what she wanted. let's pretend she would have wanted her and Mary would have wanted Lazarus to come back. But her response, when Jesus says, he will rise again, she could have taken it as in, yes, he's going to rise immediately at that point. But look at what she says. Um, Look at verse 24. So verse 24, if you're with me there. Verse 24, then Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So, again, her mind wasn't, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's going to happen immediately. It was more like she was excited at the fact that we get, he gets to see Jesus. You know, her brother is going to see Jesus. And she was more excited at the fact that Jesus is glorified. That's more, that was what excited her as, as opposed to, you know, immediately getting the satisfaction from having her brother back. It was actually, I'm trusting you, Jesus. You know, you know, there's, there's something about you, Jesus, and I know that my brother will rise on that last day, and I know that's the ultimate goal. I know that's the ultimate aim. I know that's the end goal. I know, I know that's, that's the means. You know, that's the end, sorry. Not, not the means, but that, that's the end, ultimately. Um, and then... You know, this this is someone who understands how to suffer. You know what I mean? Martha is someone who knows how to struggle, who knows how to deal with pain. You know, someone who's, who's who suffered this um, horrific bereavement um, in, her, in her brother dying. And yet she says, no, I know he'll rise again in that last day. I know, I know Jesus knows better than me. And yet she calls Jesus. So then that begs the question, no, why did you call Jesus? if you weren't quite expecting him to raise Lazarus up from the dead? Why, why did she call I mean, she, she was I guess she was, she was expecting him to heal Lazarus, but then when he gets here, she, she could have made it clear. She could have said, can you raise him up from the dead now? But well, she says, no. No, I know he'll rise again on that last day um, of the resurrection. Again, that's someone who, her mind in suffering, in pain, was that if I can only ask Jesus. He knows what's best. He knows what's good for me. And it might not be everything that I had in mind, everything that I had planned, but I know whatever Jesus is going to do is right. That's the difficulty in suffering. That's the the real hardship and suffering where we go through these pains and we go through these difficult moments and, and difficult occurrences in our life. And we have to be able to stand and say, I don't totally get this but one thing I totally get is Jesus is great. And I know Jesus knows exactly what needs to be done here. So I'm asking him for help. That, that was Martha's mindset. That was what her mind was about. And so then Jesus goes on and, and he makes this claim. And he, and he says he's the resurrection and the life. And that anyone who believes in him, even though they die, they will live and then he challenges Martha and says, you know, whether she believes, you know, does she believe that he, he's able? And, and she says yes. She confidently says yes. Now, one of the important things as well to remember is that there are some people that they believe in a sense of suffering where we, right, where we say this, where we say, okay, I'm suffering. So it must be God's will that I'm suffering. And that, that means I'm not going to bother praying for him to heal me from this suffering because it must be God's will. That's not quite what Martha and Mary did. That's that's not what they did. What they did was ask Jesus for help and yet still trust him to do his will and yet trust him to do what was best. And that's how we have to deal with suffering, which is, Lord, please help me through this, Lord. Take this away from me. Please take this away from me. And if... If you don't take this away from me, Lord, help me through it. Help me understand what it is that you want me to do, or what it is that you want to get out of me in this, in this pain. Um, that's that's the way we should do with it. And so, when when Jesus asked,ed you know, when, when Jesus says this word, he says, "Even those, even if you die, when you die, they shall live." And it's that oxymoron that we that we deal with here. And, and I think that whole sentence, that, that small sentence, even when they die, they shall live, is reflective of the Christian life. It's reflective of the phrases that Job uses when he says, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Uh, that's in Job thirteen fifteen. We see Job says, you know, you know what? God, killed, if you kill me, I still trust you. You know, you know, that heart that says, that's how to suffer. That's how to deal with pain. And, and again, even Paul, when, when Paul was writing, writing to us in second Corinthians 6:10, he says that though even, though even though we are sorrowful, we are always rejoicing. again, it's this oxymoron. It's like, in pain, in difficulty, I'm rejoicing because there's a bigger picture to this. There's, there's more more to this. there's God to this. <laughs> you know that's the ultimate picture is that there is God in this. And so he says, so even though, even though we're sorrowful, we're yet always rejoicing. And he goes on to say as well that even though we have nothing, we are possessing everything. You have everything that you need pertaining to this life because God has given it to you. And God is going to give you more in the life to come. But in this life, everything that we need, we have it in Jesus. We have it in Jesus if we would look to him and if we would trust him. And so, suffering and friends. Um, we see later on in this that Martha then goes on to call Mary uh, to come and see Jesus. She rushes away. And, and we're told that the Jews at this point are mourning with Mary. So they're, 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 they're sort of with Mary crying, crying, and crying, uh, which probably would have done their culture is just cry excessively. Um, and they're doing this with Jesus. But then when, when Martha comes, mind you, imagine you've got like a just set of women hanging around and they're just crying and bawling. And then Martha comes in and says, yo, yo, Mary, Jesus Jesus, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. You know, come and see Jesus. And then all the other people, all the other like her friends is like, oh, just, just cry. It's all right. It's all right. Oh, Lazarus. But well, meanwhile, Mary has a different reaction. Mary has a different reaction. She gets up and, and she rushes. She rushes to come and see Jesus. But meanwhile, her friends, her friends when, she, when they see Mary rush up and run away, they think that she's going to the tomb to cry more. Because that was what they were used to. That's what they, they that's the only way they could deal with life was just cry, cry, and be sorrowful and be sad and 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 and, and cry and go, Oh, you're going to cry there? I'm coming with you. Let's cry some more. <laughs> you know, that that's kind of what, what their attitude seemed to be, is just 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 this weeping. But Mary wasn't actually going for that. She was going for Jesus. She was looking for hope of help. She was going there. And so one of the points there was that was so important to me that It's so important that we as Christians in our life, we have other brothers and sisters around us who point us to Jesus. Because Martha came in and she she ran in and she's saying, Jesus is there, she's pointing Mary to Jesus. And all her friends around her, rather than think about saying, this is Jesus, this is the anointed one, this is the king of the Jews, we could have pointed her and said, look, let's go to Jesus. Their first thought was to cry some more. Their first thought was that she's going to the tomb to cry, and so they followed her because they wanted to cry more with her. And, and, and Matthew, obviously, in the Beatitudes, talks about, you know, more, um, blessed are those who mourn. Um, and th- there's an important point, because Paul talks about that as well. You know, it's a blessing to mourn with your friends, um, as, as in, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ. There is an important point there, because we do need to learn sometimes... My brother is mourning. I need to mourn with them. But there is a time as well to point your brother and sister to Jesus and encourage them and say, bro, it's okay. Jesus is here. You know, we need to trust him. As as difficult as this is, as as painful as this is, perhaps whatever suffering we're going through, we we need to trust Jesus. You know, we can cry. There is a time to cry. There is a time to mourn. Um, but it's a time to trust Jesus. And, and those women around Mary didn't recognize that. They didn't recognize the time to, to trust Jesus. Martha did. Martha recognized the time to trust de- Jesus. And that's, that's what we have to be able to do um, as, as as adopted children of, of, of Christ Jesus. We, we need to be able to say, you know, what? I, I can put a hand around my brother's slack shoulder and cry with him and, and, and understand that his pain and and try to sympathize with um, with him but say you know what, we, we still got to go to Jesus bro, we still got to trust Jesus um, because there's no other hope um, apart from that um, now Ma- Mary sees Jesus and, and just likewise like Martha did she falls at Jesus' feet um, and when she falls at his feet she says, she repeats that same phrase, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. This wouldn't have happened. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was angry and he was, he was deeply moved at this point. Now, it's important to note, Jesus wasn't angry at the fact that Mary was crying. He wasn't angry at, at the fact that it wasn't a sense of, oh, you know, these women don't have enough faith in that's not what he was annoyed about, but he was deeply moved at the sight of death. You know, the, the tyranny of death and the pain that it had brought to people. Um, you know, he was disturbed by that. And he understood that the pain, that the death that was plaguing other people and still does today. You know, we still face death. Many of our brothers around us have suffered losses bereavement, and bereavement. Um, and, and Christ Jesus knows that. And he is angry about that as well. He was angry about that here. That's what he was angry about. He was angry about death. When he'd seen the tomb, he saw saw the tomb and he was angry about that. And Jesus today is angry at our suffering. Don't ever see, you know, things that happen in your life and think Jesus doesn't care. He does care. You know, he's annoyed when you're betrayed by your close friends. He is annoyed when you suffer pain. He's annoyed when you are in a state where you are unable to fend for your family and, and he's annoyed about that. God takes that very seriously. He took it seriously here with my friend Mary. But there's a greater purpose yes. he has. There, there is an end goal. There is, a, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and we see this. We know this because we see it in Hebrews 4.15 and it says for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet with our sin so we understand that Jesus has gone through our pain he's suffered everything that we've suffered um, you know for us who've lost someone um, Jesus God lost his son on the, on the cross he had to cast him out And for those of us who are screaming in frustration and perhaps at the pain of some of us who who deal with just dark moments, um, Jesus was on the cross and was screaming, why? Why? Why, Lord? Why have you forsaken me? He screams in that way, the way he shouted in in that way. Sometimes we have those shouts and, and God is not a God who doesn't understand that. God understands that and sympathizes with us and has felt that in the same way. And for those of us who, who suffer from infirmities, from diseases, from, from, from sort of medical uh, issues, Jesus suffered that, that infirmity at the highest level on the cross. At the highest level. And the Bible calls us to grieve our losses and deal with our pains in a way that Mary and Martha did by seeing Jesus, by trusting Jesus and running to Jesus ultimately and knowing that, you know what, no matter what, he's going he's to do the right thing for me in the end. He's going to do what's right for me in the end. And we see Paul encouraging us in the same way. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he says, For we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Again, it's important I just take a step back and go and go back to where Mary's friends were. They were grieving with no hope. You know, they were grieving with no hope. They they didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. They didn't see Jesus as the end goal. They they just grieved, and that's how they felt that they could deal with pain by just grieving. Some people are like that around us today. We we they just grieve, and that's how they think pain should be dealt with. That's not how pain should be dealt with. And and Paul encourages us as brothers in Christ and says don't grieve like them don't grieve in the same way you have a hope you know at the end of this there's more for you You at the end of this God has a plan for you you know God has heaven for us we get to be with Jesus we get to be with Christ at the end of all this Martha understood that we need to understand that we need to understand that at the end of my pain of everything that I go through I get to see Jesus that's the ultimate goal and so when I'm having, you know, moments when I'm mourning and I'm crying and I'm I'm letting out my frustration. I don't do it in the same way as everyone else does. You know, as Job did it. Job Job had frustrations and he let out his frustrations, but he never cursed God. So for us, that's the example. That's how we should do it, is, is to learn to say, Lord, I'm really struggling with this pain. Please take it away from me, but I'm trusting you. But I'm trusting you. And then when Jesus weeps, the the Jews um, who were spectating then started commenting. And they started saying, look at him. If he loved him so much, why couldn't he stop Lazarus from dying? So then we see the Jews, in the same way, they're battling with this concept of, if Jesus is all loving and if he's all powerful, there is no way this could have happened. As I said, most of us struggle with this concept. If Jesus is all-powerful, then he has to stop the suffering. Otherwise, it means he doesn't love me enough. And if Jesus is all-loving, then he has to stop the suffering. Otherwise, it means he's not powerful enough to stop the suffering. And again, these Jews were battling with the same struggle, the same logical concept of, you know, if he loved him so much, why couldn't he stop Lazarus dying? This is the guy who healed the blind man. After all. And that, well, at this point, you have to then start thinking, Martha and Mary are hearing this. They're hearing like the Jews just, you know, dismissing what Jesus could possibly do. And as they're hearing this, you have to think, oh my goodness, what are they thinking? You know, what, what were they thinking when they're hearing the Jews commenting like this about Jesus and, and you see the bodies there and, and we see what happens here is, is that for Martha, th- there's this creep of doubt. There's this, there's this slight bit of doubt that's, that just comes in, that creeps in. There's, there's, there's a slight bit of doubt that creeps in. And, and then she questions Jesus and she says, Lord, he's already decaying. This is um, from verse 39. After Jesus tells him to remove the stone and, and she says, Lord, he's, he's already decaying. It's been four days. So, like I say, at this point, she's, there's doubt that's just creeping into her mind. And she's thinking, bro, these guys actually made, made a point. You know, they said, if he, if he who healed the blind man can heal my brother, why, did, why didn't he stop him from dying? And all of a sudden, it, it changes. Because this is after she said, God, I know that even now, wherever you ask, God will give it to you. She'd said that literally a couple of minutes ago. And, and all of a sudden, she's hearing these things and she's like, oh, actually, I don't know. You know, and, and sometimes that, that's probably what we struggle with as well, is, is we trust Jesus, we, we believe in Jesus, and then, and then we're challenged by friends. We're challenged by perhaps friends, perhaps not, not friends. You know? uh, we're challenged by people who say, yeah, but are you, sure? are you sure? Are you sure God can do this? Are you sure? What did you do? You know, what did you do? Like Job, he was challenged. They thought he'd sinned you know, when, when he had lost everything. And some people start to question you. And say, oh, perhaps you don't have a big enough faith. You know? And then we, some of us are sold that dream. We're sold that dream by, by so many preachers who tell us, so, you know, perhaps if you have a, a little bit of faith, perhaps that's, that's what's messing you up around here. Perhaps your faith is not big enough. Perhaps you don't trust enough. Perhaps that, you know, that pound that we asked you to drop in the in the basket, you know, really wasn't cutting it. You know, perhaps you should have raised it up as if we can buy God. You know? And sometimes this is the, this is the thought process we have to we have to deal with We have to deal with people who doubt God and say, "If God is so good, why doesn't He stop this? Why are you going through this?" But we see what Martha does. After Martha has this moment of doubt, Jesus then reminds her again and says, "You know, didn't I, did, didn't I tell you? Didn't, I, didn't you say you were going to believe me?" You know, did, did I ask you to, to believe me? Do you still believe me? And then I think she just kind of switches on again and goes, Yes, yes, no, cool, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And, and sometimes we can have that swerve a bit where we kind of go, I'm a bit knocked, my faith is a bit it's, it's knocked to the side here. But we have to have brothers and sisters who, who again, encourage us and say, No, believe, trust Trust Jesus. He's doing, he's doing what is good for you, He is doing what's right for you. And so, there's a bigger picture to this because. Ooh, no, here we go, because we hear it here in Peter, and he says, "Rejoice in this. Now, though for a short time, you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory." And honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter says that the pain we go through, the struggles we go through, they don't have to weaken our faith. They can strengthen our faith. In fact, it's supposed to strengthen our faith. Yeah? And and that's that's what this was all about. This was a way of dealing with pain and knowing that ultimately, the ultimate goal, the end goal of, of all this is that you trust Jesus. So brothers and sisters, I would encourage you today to trust Jesus through through, it all, through everything, no matter what happens. So what do we do when, when the pain doesn't stop? So, like I said... Um, Unfortunately, unfortunately, some of us have been sold this dream by other people who sometimes will tell you, you know, just speak it away. Speak away whatever pain you, you have because you just can, right? And then sometimes it doesn't happen and then we go, now what? Now what, bro? <laughs> you know, you, t- you told to, to, to talk this pain away or, or someone's prayed for you and it, it, didn't, it didn't happen, it didn't work, whatever you wanted it to work didn't happen and you know, you've had all the treatment, you, you've gone through everything and things are just not changing and you're just distraught, then what do you do? It's another important point that happens next with Lazarus, with this story. I know we see Lazarus is resurrected in the end so sometimes it paints this picture to everyone that everyone was dead. Everything was perfect. Everything was nice. You know, everything happened just the way it happened. So, you know, if God's done it for Martha, why can't he do it for me? You know, he's done it for Martha and Mary. Why, why can't he do it for me? Why can't he raise me up from the dead? Or raise, you know, someone up from the dead and, and, and take me, take away my infirmities and take away the pain that I might be suffering. Well, here's an interesting point. If you read on after chapter 11, after Lazarus from the dead, you then read chapter 12, and further down, what you find is that when the, when the, when the Jews found out that everyone was believing or starting to believe in Jesus because of the fact that he had risen Lazarus up, what did they do? They plotted to kill him. This is a man who's just been raised from the dead. You've just, you've just raised my brother from the dead, Jesus. And now because of you, saying Jesus, they're going to want to try and kill my brother again. So what happens is that the pain doesn't actually stop completely. They're still persecuted. They're still having to go through this pain. And so it's not the happy ever after story that everyone looks for. It's pain. It's still more pain. And and the Bible doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't give us a record and say, well... um, when, when, when Lazarus, Lazarus was actually killed by the Jews. But we're told that they plotted to kill him. and So you can imagine they were probably on the run at some point, and if not on the run, you know, perhaps constantly under persecution and dealing with this. And this is all because of the same Jesus. The same Jesus who they trusted, who they'd asked to come and help them out in the first place. So you're just thinking, you just made it more difficult for me. You might as well not have <laughs> raised him up from the dead if this was gonna happen. You can imagine that's probably with the thought process, but the whole point of this is that pain in this life here, it might not stop. That's the honest facts, those are the facts. It might not stop. And in fact, in fact, as Christians, we will face suffering. And we're told in scripture that you know the suffering is to be more like Christ. So that it would make us more like Jesus. And we can see from Paul here, so that it would show that we have a genuine faith. You know? So it's, it's to refine us, it's to refine our faith. And you know, like he's talking about, he's making this reference to gold. And we know how gold is made it's, you know, it's refined, it goes through this fire to make it fine. And that's what happens to us in our difficulty. And so what do you do when the pain doesn't stop? Trust him. That's it. Trust him. That's what Mary and Martha did in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their struggle, and and in the midst of what they thought was going to be long-lasting suffering. They trusted him. They trusted Jesus regardless. And they knew that no matter what, he would help them see beauty in their pain they didn 't know how they might not have known how he was going to do it completely, but they knew somehow Jesus was going to cause them to see beauty in their pain. So how do we see beauty in our pain today? How could we possibly see any beauty in, in the struggles we go through day by day, dealing with work, dealing with depression, dealing with poverty, dealing with infirmities, dealing with family, dealing with bereavement, dealing, dealing with divorce. How do we see beauty in all that pain? We see the things that happen in this world and, you know, sometimes we're just horrified. You know, some of the things you see on TV and, and, and you're scared for your life. You know, you think about acid attacks now. She's just like, I can't even walk the streets and, and just feel comfy, you know. You just think, how do I, What? where is the beauty in this Jesus, where where is the beauty in this? It's difficult sometimes to see the beauty in the kind of pain that we we have to deal with. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. That's where the beauty is. That's where the beauty in all our pain is ultimately in the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. See, the statements, when you look at the cross, the statement that God is all-powerful, or God is not all-powerful, or he's not all-loving, they can't possibly be true. When you look at the cross, those two statements, they they don't work. When you look at suffering, you think he can't be all-powerful, he can't be all-loving. But when you look at the cross, you know that, no, 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 no. It can't be the case that he's not all-loving, and it can't be the case that he's not all-powerful. Because at the cross... We see Jesus suffer, we see Jesus deal with suffering, and we see that Jesus himself has to deal with this cosmic, eternal, destructive, yet life-giving suffering. And his suffering is not limited to physical pain, that's some of the misconceptions that we have as well. Jesus didn't just deal with the physicality of being you know, nailed to the cross and having to, to walk the long distance and carrying a cross and having the crown of thorns on, on his head. That's not just what he dealt with. He dealt with cosmic, eternal suffering that we were supposed to have. He dealt with that and took that upon himself on the cross. He was separated from God for that moment. God evicted him effectively for that moment on the cross and Jesus suffered that for us. And so when you look at the cross, you go, he did that for us. He did that for certain people who doubted him. Who didn't care for him. He did that so that he could bring those people back to us. So when you see that, one thing I can't say is that he's not all loving. Because you're wrong now. Because you, you see the cross. You see, you see God being all loving. You see Jesus being all loving for you and me. So you, one thing you can't say is he's not all loving. And then you go, okay, perhaps he's not all powerful. He rose from the dead. He beat death. He beat death. So you can't say that he's not all-powerful. He beats death. And so, so these two points that we struggle with in suffering, we have to say, no, 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 no. Ultimately, I'm going through this pain. But I, when I go to the cross and I see what Jesus did for me, I know he's all-powerful. I know he's able to help me out in this situation. I know he's able to take it from me. It's nothing too, nothing's too big for him. He beat death. And yet I know that it's not a case that he doesn't love me enough and he doesn't love me because I see what he did for me on the cross. And so God's deeds should lead us to trust in him. It should lead us to repent as well. We know that the promises he's made to us are are pure and they're unspoiled and they're imperishable. And every good thing that we have in this life, every blessing benefit from, come by way of suffering, namely the suffering of Jesus Christ. Every single thing you have, everything that you will have, comes from suffering, comes from pain. Jesus' pain. I have sort of seven statements that I think kind of summarize what Jesus has bought for us on the cross. Jesus delivered us from the curse of sin on the cross. We see that in Galatians 3.13. Jesus purchased forgiveness for us. He bore our sins. Jesus provided us with the perfect righteousness. So So now... And that's important to note that now we have, we're not just forgiven, we, we are righteous, we are made righteous. So when God looks at us now, God sees now this is a perfect child because we have what is called imputed righteousness from Jesus Christ. He brought that from, for us through suffering. Humble himself even to the point of death as Philippians uh, 2, 7 to 8 puts it and that now even by, by, by the obedience, by one man's obedience, many are made righteous. So we are made righteous by Jesus' obedience. Suffering. Jesus defeated death by suffering. So the power of death, and, and again, we, we go back to this point where Jesus is looking at the tomb and he's angry, and we're told that he's deeply moved, and he's deeply moved at the thought of death that is just running around, and he defeats death so that in the life to come, so that when we die, when we are raised on that last day, there will be no more death. For the child of God, there will be no more death. You don't die anymore. And he, he disarmed Satan. How did he disarm Satan? Jesus' sacrifice for us took away the power of unforgiven sin. That was the only weapon that Satan could choose to damn us to hell. That was the only substantial weapon that Satan has ever had in his armor, his unforgiven sin. And Jesus took that. Jesus disarmed him so he, has no, he doesn't have that weapon anymore. Because now we can be forgiven. The child of God can be forgiven and Jesus has bought that for us. And Jesus per- purchased perfect healing through suffering for us you know by his stripes we are healed he said we can be healed we can trust jesus to heal us he can heal us when we are suffering pain in this earth now but he will heal us totally irrevocably when we are in that place in heaven when that when that day comes we'll be whole we'll be glorified our bodies will be full and perfect And Jesus secured eternal access to fellowship with God. Again, God, now this relationship that that was so broken and, and, and so messed up, now Jesus has brought it together and we get to have a relationship with God. We get to call on him. We get to call God, Abba, Father, because of Jesus' suffering, because he suffered, because of his pain. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you've ever had like a bad dream before. You guys ever had like a really, really like really like a nightmare, like a proper nightmare? And about you guys? Usually, when we suffer from that, from from a horrific uh, dream or nightmare, um, and and we lose maybe a bunch of stuff in the dream. Perhaps it's it's or perhaps it's um, physical, and perhaps it's social in nature. But we feel this just pain in the dream, you know, whatever it is. And then you wake up, and then you look around. And you're like did it happen because it felt so vivid, you know, it felt so real. And then you realize actually, no, it's okay, it didn't happen, <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> you know, and, but when you realize that you're, you're okay, usually what tends to happen is you suddenly appreciate that thing that hypothetically could have happened for real life in the dream, but it didn't happen in, in real life when you woke up. You're kind of like, huh. Like, for some of you, for example, you can imagine imagine losing, like, your child or something in your dream. Um, and then you wake up and your child hasn't, you know, died. And then usually, perhaps your reaction is probably going to be, oh, I love you. <laughs> I, I, I love you. You just appreciate that thing that you, you all of a sudden saw again when you realize it, it, it hasn't happened. And perhaps that's the purpose of suffering. Perhaps it's, it's, it's this case where if it had never happened, you wouldn't have seen God the way you see him now. Perhaps you wouldn't have seen Jesus the way you, you should see him after the suffering has happened, you know, after you've gone through this pain, after, you, after Mary and, and, and Martha have had to lose their brother and go through this pain, and then Jesus comes and, 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 and helps them effectively. Even, even when they're on the run, they still appreciate Jesus all the more. Because of what he's done. And sometimes that's, that's perhaps why we have to go through this pain. It's just to show how great he is. And ultimately, the purpose of the universe, the purpose of this world, the purpose of the cosmic sphere, is to display the unfathomable greatness of the glory and the grace of God. That's the purpose of this world, and so that's the purpose of suffering so that you would see God's grace, so that you would see God's greatness, ultimately. And that is no more clearly displayed than in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to look to the cross to deal with finding any beauty in our pain. I would um, encourage us, you know, we sang this song earlier today, perhaps a different rendition, but I want to sort of go through the first three verses, which really tell the story. Um, this hymn, written by um, Horatio Spafford, um, "It Is Well," um, and it says, "When peace, like a river, attendeth my way; when sorrows like sea, like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to set to know. It is well. It is well with my soul." The second verse is, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of the glorious thoughts, my sin not in part but, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And then he goes and says, it is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. I pray that God would cause you to say that today, that in your pain and difficulty, you would learn to say, it is well with my soul. It is well, I know know God's purpose, I know he has a bigger plan for me and I, I know I can trust Jesus through this pain. I know that he's he's refining my faith in this. And whether or not things change, I know God never changes. I know Christ will never change. And I know he's consistent. And I know his, his plan ultimately is that we trust him and look to the cross. Say it as well with your soul. Let's pray. Um. God, God, I just want to thank you. Because only in you can we say it as well. Because for a short while, it wasn't well for you on the cross. It was painful. It was difficult. But it was for the purpose that you could say it as well. That's why you suffered for us, Jesus. And and I pray that you would help myself and, and my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, to see you in every situation that we're going through. Some of us are, are, are dealing with some very, difficult times right now and difficult things happening in all our lives lord i pray that you would cause us to trust you the way mary and martha trusted you you know the way mary and martha saw the difficulty and, and 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 dealt with the pain in their heart by trusting you unconditionally unrevocably you know with not 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 with conditions tied to it that said you know well as long as everything goes swell as long as everything goes okay then fine i can trust you no they trusted you regardless i pray that you'd cause us to do that god cause us to trust you regardless regardless of our pain regardless of our suffering regardless of of the trials that we're going through and, and we're having to deal with cause us to trust you Spirit, by your grace, by your sovereign hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you.